0: What up, Dow? Huh? I would be the non sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This, is my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 264, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, you will be today. We got some tight end talk. Who doesn't love a little tight end talk? Everybody likes a good tight end. Am I right? I certainly do it's see one of my favorites there you go everybody likes a good tight end we also have I mean there is going to be some random ass con- all I can tell you is this rage room Jacques crying and being trapped in an elevator I, I that's I mean those conversations alone could be a podcast by themselves so all that's coming your way on this version but let's tell you about Robert Greening and the green team, the fantastic team at Greening Law. If you were hurt in a car accident like I was, maybe it was malpractice that you have experienced, whether it was with the physician or a hospital. Maybe even you've been injured on the premises of a business. Your first call truly needs to be to Robert Greening. They will come in if they take your case, and they're going to be grinding for you. They're going to be working for you. They take care of all those headaches and hassles so really, when they say that they fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal, I can verify it myself. They truly take all that off your plate. And I even talk to them on the phone. They go, hey, man, we got that. Like, don't worry about that. When the time comes, we'll address it. But right now, you need to work on getting better. They've told me that on the phone before. It's truly about you getting better and healing and renewing.
1: And that, friends, is why you need to pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900, and let the green team work for you, man. Um, All you got to do is pick up the phone. You dial that number, 972-934-8900. You tell them your situation, hey, here's what happened to me. It doesn't matter, car accident, uh, you're at a business. Heck, you might be at a friend's house and slip and fall and hurt yourself. It doesn't matter. Call them with your details and see if they can help you because if they take you on as a client, I got to tell you, it's your lucky day. Even though it's been because you were involved in some incident, it's your lucky day because they'll work for you. And
0: as I like to tell y'all, they don't get paid. Unless you get paid. You can't get a better deal than that, bro. No, you can't. And that call, as you mentioned, the consultation absolutely free. 972 934 8900. 972 934 8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices Dallas, Texas. So today is Thursday, July 14th, as we record this. Many of you will be listening to this on Friday, July 15th, which means the franchise tag deadline. Has come and gone. And you go, okay, well, so what? Well, that means that Dalton Schultz and the Cowboys had until three o'clock this afternoon on Thursday to reach a long term contract deal, or he'll be playing on the franchise tag this season. Now, this may come as a shock to some of you. They did not come to an agreement, and Dalton Schultz will be playing for the franchise tag for tight ends this season. Which is ten million nine hundred and thirty-one thousand dollars. Sounds to me like he hit the lottery. <laughs> you think I'll take the, I'll take ten point nine mil, dude. I mean,
1: seriously, sounds like to me like he hit the lottery. Uh, his problem is, and I ain't mad at Dalton Schultz, okay. Dalton Schultz is like, yo, I want a long term deal. I want you know 12, $13 dollars a year, just like Hunter Henry would get or Dalton Knox will get, and I want that. And uh, I want it over four or five years. And I want, uh, you know, 30 or 35 of it guaranteed. And that's what I want. And normally, when the Cowboys have a player under the franchise tag, they pay him for once. They didn't. And I got to tell y'all, this is a very good thing. Very good. No shade on Dalton. on uh, What's his name?
0: Dalton Schultz?
1: Yeah, no shame on Dalton <laughs> Schultz. I was thinking Dalton Knox or something because I just heard that Dawson name. Knox. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, but no shade on him because he really is a good player, but he ain't no difference maker. And I'm not paying a dude that ain't a difference maker top five position money and
0: eight digits. I ain't doing it, and ain't gonna feel bad about not doing it either. No, and and I you know we had this conversation last week and. I think people go back and forth on this. I think what happens, and I, and this is the, the, the corner that the Cowboys have been backed into with this $10.9 million franchise tag. Anybody who plays fantasy football is aware of this. The value at tight end in this league, the drop-off once you get past a very, very small group at the top is, is very large. It okay, is what's very the group? large. The group, and, and we're all familiar with these names. It's George Kittle, it's Travis Kelsey, Really, it's Kelsey, I would put him above Kittle. I would go Kelsey one, Kittle two, it's close. You know, you can put Mark Andrews in there. And then after that, quite honestly, I don't know if there is a fourth guy. Kyle Pitts is probably right up there, you know, coming off. He had a very good season as a rookie for Atlanta. But after that, man, I, I don't know that honestly... There's somebody else that's worth throwing up that high. Darren Waller, you know, Darren Waller with the Raiders has to be up there as well as a guy who puts up tremendous numbers. But that would be the five for me. And and then after that, and I'm putting Pitts fifth just because we don't know enough about him yet. And after that, I mean, I'm talking there is a chasm. Like maybe Dallas Goddard is there. Dallas Goddard is not on the level of Kelsey and Kittle and those other guys. Right. And and you Uh. see that in the... My problem with this is what happens is, and I've heard this from Cowboys fans... And I think the Cowboys, and this is why that long-term contract, you hear some talking heads all day, I don't know why they wouldn't re-sign them. It's because everybody is afraid, well, man, if, if we don't at least have Dalton Schultz, then what are we stuck with? Because Schultz, Schultz is in this group with a lot of these guys like Gasecki and Henry and maybe Jonu Smith and Evan Ingram and man, I'm just throwing names off my head, Logan Thomas and, and guys like this yeah. that are tight ends in the NFL that are really all kind of the same guy to me depending on the offense that they're in and the opportunities they get. But then, I mean, if that's this big group, what's behind them is even worse and pointless.
1: No, I mean, that's really the deal, bro. Um, There's a bunch of good ones, but there's very few difference makers. And here's what I mean. And and again, it ain't complicated and there's no shade on Dalton Knox. Ain't nobody staying up all night trying to figure out how to stop Dalton Knox. Correct. They're just not. Correct. They do spend some time trying to figure out how to stop Travis Kelsey. Uh, They do spend some time trying to figure out how to stop George Kittles. Um, But I promise you, ain't nobody said, okay, how do you want to attack Schultz this week, Matt? Oh, I think we got a bracket coverage here, man. I think we got to do this. We got to take him away because if we don't take him away, their offense is just going to run wild. And so, I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's a good player. Um, But uh, those guys, let me tell you the real problem, Matt. Let's see what you think. This is the same thing that happened to wide receivers. And this is why the NFL can be frustrating if you're an owner or a GM or a capologist. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars messed up the wide receiver salaries. Yeah. When? When?
0: With Christian Kirk.
1: When they paid Christian Kirk, who is a fine Aggie, but ain't never done shit in the NFL worth talking about. Yep, yep. And they made, they gave him a, I think this is a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal, averaging eighteen million dollars with thirty-seven guarantee. And all you can say is, "The fuck are y'all doing?" Mm-hmm. Like, who are you betting against for Christian Kirk, a guy who's never had more than eight hundred and some yards receiving? But in doing so, they just blew up the wide receiver contracts, which is why all these guys been getting new deals. Because what do they say, Matt? Oh. You think you're gonna pay me what the Jacksonville paid Christian Kirk? <laughs>
0: that's so true, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's exactly what he said. I'm 10 times better than Christian yeah. Kirk. I'm you know, I mean, that's literally what they said, what their agent said. How you how you come to the table trying to offer my guy 72 million? And he has 6000 yard season, and Christian Kirk never got more than 800 yards. Come on, man. Give me a real offer. And yep. that's why that's what happened. So, back on point now. What happened with the tight ends? For some reason, Cleveland. Gave David Njoku a four-year, 57, 54 yep. million dollar deal with 28 guaranteed. And he ain't never paid a drop, man.
0: Yeah, which is insane for that dude.
1: And so other teams are going like, why we gotta pay you based off a dumbass contract? Like, this ain't George Kittle's contract. We're like, hey, he got what he got. Hey, yep. More power to him. This ain't Travis Kelsey's contract. Hey, what
0: we gonna say about him, dog? Nothing.
1: But you gave this dude a contract, man, and just, just like, for who, for what?
0: Yep, and you're exactly right, and, and that screwed up the tight end salary position. As a matter of fact, I mean, just case in point, so Dalton Schultz, two years ago, 63 for 615. Dalton Schultz, last year, 78 for 808. Also, in that time period, he's had 12 receiving touchdowns. In right. his career, okay, in his career in Cleveland, I just told you Dalton Schultz has 12 receiving touchdowns the last two years. In his career, five years in Cleveland, David Njoku has 15. David Njoku's career high in catches is 56. So what is that? Seven less than Dalton Schultz had two years ago. And David Njoku's career high in receiving yardage is 639, which is just, what, 24 more yards than what Dalton Schultz had two years ago and way behind what he did last year. So right. well, the problem is, and, and this isn't Schultz's fault, but the problem for the Cowboys becomes Dalton Schultz looks at it like you're talking about with all these other tight ends and goes, "Hold up, uh, all my numbers across the board are better than that dude. He's making thirteen six a year, so yeah. I'm I'm starting about thirteen thirteen six. You're, I'm because I'm, I'm I'm at least in Joku, and right. that's what happens with all of this when you see guys like that. You know, and quite honestly, even to some degree, guys like John U Smith and Hunter Henry who roll out in New England throws 12.5 a year at those guys. And Henry's got like a colossal injury history and all that. And and you look at what they've done. John Smith, who really had at least one good year that I recall in Tennessee before he became a free agent. But even guys like that, where you look at it and you sit there and go, if you honestly, like if you go look at David and Joku and you go look at John Smith and the numbers they've done historically in their careers... Neither one of them has had a season nearly as good as what Dalton Schultz just had. And they're both making 12-5, 13-6 a year.
1: And that's why I said I'm not mad at Dalton Schultz for asking. You know, you can ask for whatever, man. Um, I was in a situation recently that I told Matt about. I'll tell y'all about it at a later date. I've been sworn to secrecy. But I had a contract offered to do some work. And I was like, hey. contract offer is great. I wonder if they'll give me some more if I ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm basing this off the fact that having read books over the years, having talked to people who are far more skilled at this than me. I know that ninety nine point nine percent of the time the first offer is not the best offer. They built some room in for negotiation and you should take advantage. You should ask for it. Because if I ask for an extra ten thousand, maybe they say get the whole ten. Or maybe they say you can only have seven of the mid level exception. Well, guess what it is, Matt? That's seven more than I thought I was gonna get. Yeah. Um, so my point is I ain't mad at Dalton Schultz. Ask for what you want. I want four years, I want in Joku's in contract. Yeah. Plus an extra hundred thousand because I'm better than him. Yeah, man. So ask for it. And when they come back and say no, you can't be mad. I mean, you could be disappointed, but you can't be mad. So, I filled out the new paperwork. I got it back. And I was like, oh, hey. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Good for me. Yeah, Uh, Nothing wrong with that. No, but, but, you know, and they didn't give me everything I asked for, but they met me in the middle. But guess what? In the middle was more than I had gotten. And so, I was happy. Uh, Like, great. Cool. This is fantastic. Um, And so, that to me is Dalton Schultz. You can ask for whatever, man, but... You know, you're not the guy. No. And so um, you just got to take what they give you and play. And check this out, man. This is the last thing, dog. Go ball out. And guess what? If you do that, one, either Dallas will decide, like, oh, perhaps we misjudged. Perhaps he is uh, one of those top five tight ends in the National Football League because he just caught 90 passes for, uh, you know, 1,057 yards and 10 touchdowns. So maybe we do need to pay him. Or somebody else will pay you.
0: Yeah, it's it's very very true, and and that's the problem is that even Dallas Goddard, who I think is a better tight end than Dalton Schultz, but even Dallas Goddard, you know, you can look at it. He has had a he had a very solid season last year in twenty twenty one, but his first three years, you can look at it, and you could sit there and say, if you're Dalton Schultz's agent, you go, okay, we've got Injoku, we've got Jonu Smith, and I got Dallas Goddard. I've got a client who has better numbers than two of them, similar numbers to another one of them, and Dallas Goddard's never caught more than five touchdown passes in a season. My client just had eight. You know, you, right. and, and you can start those negotiations, and those guys are getting paid a minimum of 12.5 a year. So we'll see where it goes from here. But this is an interesting conversation because we've been following along with these ESPN lists, and oddly enough, this Dalton Schultz decision comes on the day that the latest one is the lists and it's tight ends. And again, for those that forgot, it's the 50 league executives, coaches and scouts and players that have been ranking the top 10 players at all these different positions in the NFL. Well, where does Dalton Schultz rank? And to me, that's exactly where he ranks, which again, is not in the top five. The NFL executives in that grouping, they have George Kittle, number one, and Travis Kelsey, number two fine i i I don't have a problem with that personally i i think i i lean kelsey more kelsey's also like four or five years older so if you're going to pick one to have i'd pick kittle too because he's still in his 20s number three is darren waller who's basically like a wide receiver with the raiders i mean it's insane some of the numbers he'll put up mark andrews is number four kyle pitts is number five dallas goddard comes in at number six tj hawkinson who is still on his rookie contract in Detroit, is number seven. And at number eight as the eighth best tight end in the NFL, Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. An AFC executive says, dependability, versatile with blocking, really good hands. An NFC offensive coach says, he can handle multiple roles, good hands, competitive blocker, can bend to get in and out of breaks, not as dynamic on others as others on this list, but really solid. And, and Ain't I, that what we just told y'all. Yes. And, and see, that's the thing. I don't want to pay twelve point five to fourteen million dollars for somebody who's really solid. Not only that, what does competitive blocker mean? I have no idea. Oh, let me tell you. It means you get your ass kicked, but you try
1: hard. <laughs> no, that's what it means. You're competitive. Like I'm trying. Sorry. I'm here. I'm doing what I do. But most of the time I get my ass kicked. Yeah, that's what it means. Uh, but i'm competitive that's which is which means I really try he gives you his best that's why I keep saying throughout this this conversation i'm not throwing shade at Dalton Schultz because he is a good player but I'm not paying good players great money not only that dudes who make money and you don't have to take my word for it just look it up okay I like to tell people that all the time. I speak facts I speak truth. That's why they called me. That's why I started talking about the red pill. Who gets paid in the National Football League, Matt? That's a rhetorical question. You don't even got to answer. I'll answer it for you. Cats on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Cornerbacks. Wide receivers. Pass rushers. Left tackles. Who don't get paid, Matt? Interior players. Guards. Safeties. Tight ends running backs running backs used to get paid but the game has changed they no longer get paid uh middle linebackers don't get paid outside linebackers get paid the closer you are to the perimeter the sideline the more money you make why because people score touchdowns on the perimeter what do why did I hear what did I hear the Soto linebackers get cussed out for more last year than anything Hold the line, hold the edge, hold the edge. Force him inside, force them inside. Get your ass out of here. You get in there. Why? Because you couldn't hold the edge, man. It's about the perimeter. If you secure the perimeter, you stop the other team from scoring. If you can't do that, they run up points. And Dalton Schultz is an interior player because that's what tight ends are. And he's not a dynamic interior player. So he's really good, but he ain't the difference between winning and losing. And that's why the Cowboys made a good decision not to pay him an eight-digit salary that sounds like he is
0: one of those guys who's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, exactly. And and again, he's he's in that group kind of like what I was throwing out there earlier. Dawson Knox is ranked ninth. Hunter Henry's ranked 10th. Mike Mike Gasecki, it would be technically what's considered 11th. And, and then you go on down. Like David Njoku, the dude who's gotten the contract that screwed it up for everybody. We haven't said his name yet. You guys realize that? So people who are in the NFL that are scouts and executives and players and all these other people, David Njoku is listed in honorable mentions behind Gasecki, Pat Fryermuth with the Steelers, Zach Ertz with the Cardinals, and Joku would be about 14th or 15th, along with Jonu Smith. So those two guys that got those level of contracts that are screwing it up for the Cowboys and players like Schultz aren't even listed in the top 12 tight ends in the game. But they're being paid. They're being paid. David Njoku's fifth highest paid. Johnu Smith, sixth highest paid tight end in the game. Oddly enough, the 10.9 for Dalton Schultz is... Eighth best in the NFL in pay, True believe True it or there. not. I also, you know, it, it's it's in Dalton Schultz has come a long way. I, I, I'll i leave it with that because I remember when he was first out there and I'd get so mad on secret audio of a Cowboys homer. Like, why are they throwing at Dalton Schultz? Why is he even in the game? At least now I'm not irritated when they put him in the game. They yeah, got to use nah, him. He's, he's become more than what I thought he could be.
1: No, nah, Dalton Schultz, the reason I, I, I don't want to throw shade at Dalton Schultz is you can tell he's a hard worker because his game has improved dramatically from you know his rookie year till now which is why he got franchise tag and so you know he could come out and have an even better year and be a more dynamic player and we could be at the end of the year be going like well damn maybe we need to reconsider this because uh sports is fluid and what's true today might not be true next week next month or next year uh, but until then this is the opinion that i have
0: yeah and so from there, I want to get into this list of wide receivers because that came out in one of our off days on the podcast. So we'll, we'll bring that up here momentarily. But before we do that, let's tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his crew, again, I, the best spokesperson ever for this is Jacques because you have dealt with his work so many times. He does the best. It's the mechanic you can trust. He's the guy that once you go and once you discover that JR and Freeway Tire Shop exists, you never go anywhere else ever again
1: that's because man jr and freeway tire is a place you can trust i mean it's really that simple as that um and when you're dealing with a mechanic unless you're one of them people that grew up and your mom and your dad shows you how to fix cars when you're a little kid you don't know what the hell is going on other than put some gas in it and maybe some oil and uh you know air filter something like that something basic and so you can trust jr man and his crew over there freeway tire you can trust him to diagnose the problem which is key because you can't fix what you don't know then you can trust him to use quality parts, and my favorite, yeah, it ain't free, not even for your boy, trust me, it ain't free, but you don't mind paying a fair price for the work that gets done. You can trust him to charge you a fair price, then you can trust him to stand behind his work, man. Uh, that's not the case at all dealerships, that's not the case at all, at all car repair spots, they don't always stand behind their work, JR does that's why he's my dog. That's why I trust him. And if you're anywhere near DFW, man, you need to go by 35 and Commonwealth. Drop your car off. Tell him Jam Session sent you. Say, hey, JJT told me you just take care of everything. I'll, I'll call me when you got a quote for me.
0: Easy, It's <laughs> <is> that easy. <laughs> you can do it, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Request a quote. Schedule an appointment online. FreewayTireShop.com. I got to say, this list of wide receivers was, was interesting to me. And we were joking about this like a week ago or whatever. Okay, is Amari Cooper going to end up in the top 10 and the Cowboys traded him away from a fit for a fifth-round pick? Well, let's look at this. So, number one, and again, this is according to all the executives and the players and the scouts and all these that they take votes from on this ESPN poll. The number one wide receiver in the NFL, he was also number one last year and I don't know that anybody would debate this, maybe a couple of guys behind him have a shot, but Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, who is leaving the Packers, and this is where this will get interesting, now that you don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball and you have Derek Carr throwing you the ball, are you still going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL? That's
1: a great point. And nobody's going to know the answer of that until it happens. But that's a great point. That's certainly a fair question. Uh, But here's the deal, man. I think Derek Carr is a solid, good quarterback, which means Devontae Adams should be able to put up his numbers there. And with that being his boy, because I think they were college teammates at Fresno, then, um, you know,
0: he's going to see his fair share of targets. I would think he's going to be just fine, easily. Number two in the NFL is Cooper Cup. Number three in the NFL, who was a rookie last year, and they already believe he's the third best wide receiver in the NFL, jamar chase that boy was the truth last year man you know it sucks so my fantasy draft coming up that first weekend in august that we're doing in, in austin and we have a keeper system that we do nick who won the league again last year his two keepers this year are cooper cup and jamar chase oh my he's already won the league this year i mean it's over like i i might actually try and tank to see if i can I might just go and draft a bunch of lower-rated guys and try to get some really good keepers if we move forward because we're about to adjust the keeper system. So I might try right, to take right. advantage of that because he's got such an advantage having those two. And the way it works in our league is that with Cup and Chase, like normally, say, on the open market when we do our auction, each of those guys would go for $55, $60. Bucks. Right. Nick gets to keep them combined for, like, I think it is $20-something. dollars.
1: That's the epitome of uh, or the equivalent of, uh, you know, putting your team together with your, with your super stud quarterback on a rookie deal.
0: Right. And, and so you're exactly right, because what it allows him to do in the auction is go out and get like the best quarterback, the best running back. And he can bid more than anybody on those guys because he's making up the value on having these two on his roster. Right. Like exactly. it's, barring injury, I don't know how anybody, like he'll win another title this year. I'd be shocked. I'd actually be really surprised if he doesn't win the league this year. Yeah, man, but the game is about injury. It's it a is. Injury. That's all we can hope for, you know, unfortunately for his team. Number four in the NFL is Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Number five is Tyree Kill, of course, moving over to Miami, no longer with Mahomes. He's got Tua. Number six, Stephon Diggs. Number seven, DeAndre Hopkins. Number eight, Mike Evans. Number nine, Devo Samuel. Number 10, D.K. Metcalf. Those are the top 10. You'll notice no Amari Cooper, no C.D. Lamb. So the Cowboys did not trade a top 10 wide receiver for a fifth-round pick. So there's, there's <laughs> some good news here. What's interesting to me is the honorable mentions. And they do this in order of how many votes these guys got. So you're basically going 11 and onward. So 11 would be Keenan Allen. 12, A.J. Brown, who just got traded into the division with the Philadelphia Eagles all right 13 terry mclaurin 14 chris godwin 15 michael thomas who ba- missed almost the entirety of the last two years all right but right behind michael thomas and again 11 12 13 14 thomas was 15 not amari cooper cd lamb of the dallas cowboys they have as the 16th best wide receiver in the nfl
1: I'm not, uh, I mean, I I can't really, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, no, he should be this. He should be moved ahead of this guy. He'll get a chance to prove all of that
0: uh, this season. Yeah, he will. As an AFC scout says about CeeDee Lamb, he's so talented that the game comes very easily for him. He'll be going through the motions, then all of a sudden he's breaking off two guys for a touchdown. So, okay, you have that. And I will say this let's see. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. They had 22 receivers that received votes to be in this list. Amari Cooper did not get a single vote. Well, now. So I thought that was kind of interesting that his, Amari Cooper's name does not appear on this list at all. So maybe the Cowboys are not as crazy as we think. I'm kidding. They were. I would always keep Amari Cooper. <laughs> Thank you.
1: I was going to say, you know, again, we go back to the example I used. Okay, it's a used car that you're trading in. But you only want to give me $1,500 for it. You know what, Doc? I'm going to keep my used car because it's got more value to me than $1,500 that you're trying to give me. And to me, that was Amari Cooper. A fifth-round draft pick ain't going to help you at all this year. Nope, not at all. Amari Cooper could have helped you far more than a fifth-round draft pick. And you could have made his money work for one more year. And guess what, Doc? You still could have taken Jalen Tobert in the third round. And then that would have given you a year to get him groomed so that you could, you could get rid of Amari with a better package in place. But, uh, you know, they did what they did, and we'll see over the course of the next year. Was well, it a good move or a bad move? In Cleveland, they're talking about, oh, Amari Cooper, we thought he was a top 10, top 12 receiver. They don't even have him listed. Hey, Amari, what do you think about that? And, you know, maybe that'll uh, inspire Amari to, uh, to be more consistent. Yeah, maybe it will.
0: Who knows, man? I, I don't know. I, I think that that – I just thought that was really, really interesting. And and they have one more coming out on Friday, the offensive tackles, and I'll be curious to see where they have Tyron Smith ranked on the offensive tackles list. But they've right. basically gone through – how many is that? That's 10? Yeah, at 11 different positions. And we kind of see – and this is why Jacques and I have been kind of hesitant on the team this year – Either they don't have anybody in the top 10 or outside of Zach Martin and Micah Parsons, they don't have anybody in the top, what, seven of their positions?
1: Yeah, bro. That doesn't bode well.
0: It doesn't bode well, man. You got the 16th best wide receiver. You've got like the the 12th best running back, the 8th best tight end, the 10th best quarterback, the 10th best cornerback. I, I don't know, man, and, and maybe, maybe Tyron Smith will be, like, number three or number two in offensive tackles. Who knows? But for a team that wants to go somewhere, the fact that you, you don't really have a lot of those elite-level players at many positions, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that.
1: I do. They ain't going to be that good.
0: <laughs> it's so cut and dry and easy. I like it. So there yeah, you have man. it. Prove me
1: wrong. I look forward to it. Yeah, I think it's that— like, For real, for real, I do.
0: No, and I'm I'm kind of with you as well because I hate being the pessimist when I'm usually the optimist, man. But, I mean, holy crap, I don't know what to tell you. Nine and eight, it, it just feels like this is going to be nine and eight. And then they're going to have to do something better than that. But, I mean, nine and eight gets you in the playoffs. You think at nine and eight, if they make the playoffs and they don't do anything in the playoffs again, McCarthy's done? Mm, probably. But,
1: again, it depends on who you can get. Can you get Sean Payton or... Because if not, you might as well keep McCarthy.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know where else you would go. I mean, it's either McCarthy or Payton at this point, right? And I don't know what to make of the Sean Payton thing. Who knows? I mean, it, like Jerry Jones said when we played that audio a while back, made it seem to me like, hey, we're focused on right now. He's not even worried about that because deep down he's he knows if Payton was wanting to come, the Cowboys would figure out a way to make it happen for 2023. Barring some successful season, I just, I mean... Is there a coach out there who can have this franchise consistently competitive because they haven't been in 25 years? That's, that's the biggest crazy thing about this franchise to me. They've had really good years and they've had some weird years, but they, they have not had any consistent competitiveness regardless of the coach, regardless of the quarterback. They've not had that line of, of competitiveness that's above average. None at all. Sad. And that's the problem. It's sad, friend. That's all I'm going to say about that. So we'll roll on and we'll take this trip around the block. And man, there are so many things to get into in, in this trip around the block. This is going to be one of the wilder ones that we've ever done. But before we do that, we'll tell you quickly about HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his crew, if you've got a problem or you think you've got a problem with your foundation, that's the type of thing you do not want to mess with foundation problems as soon as you start seeing those cracks and you start realizing that you may have a problem the best thing that you can do immediately is to give them a call Aaron sent me an email this week he goes you know here's the thing he goes with all the heat lots and lots of people are calling about new cracks and changes popping up around their home he says it's better to be safe than sorry get it checked out now even if it doesn't need repairs hfx foundation solution can offer you some tips keeping it performing the way that it should so keep that in mind as well because they do all of it
1: no and that's why you need to pick up the phone 817-770-0174 give aaron and his team a call and let them give your house what we like to call lovingly a colonoscopy You know, so that they can go through every nook and cranny, figure out what's going on, if anything, and give you an update and give you the peace of mind that comes with knowing, no,
0: I don't have to worry about foundation problems. I can plan my life. You're exactly right. It's easy. It's a phone call away. 817-770-0174. Online at hfxfoundation.com. Man, you threw out some things. So, I, you know what? Let's start with the fun thing before we start you know, with. I like I like to mess with Matt from time to time. And I just go, hey, here's what's happening. Yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, you tell me these things in like a 10-second little throwaway line. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much here. First off, you did something this past week, you said. And I've always wanted to do this. And they have them in Birmingham. But you went to a rage room.
1: Yeah, man. You know, I've... um just trying to branch out and do a few more things man um that's really all I can say you know YOLO um (laughs) you know it's like it's like when I got a Porsche and I'm not I'm not just like oh you got a Porsche no I mean I got a Porsche I didn't need a Porsche but I found a good I found a great deal not a good deal I found a great deal I probably pay less for my Porsche per month than almost any car from anybody listening okay um uh, because i pay less than 300 a month on it so there top that but anyway uh as i get older to me man life is about living okay i got some money spot put away in case i live to be 100 i don't have to be uh you know i don't have to be out there trying to get a job at 96 yeah so i got some money put away uh I make sure all my bills are paid and then whatever's left man i fuck off <laughs> yeah might as well i mean seriously uh, i've got some insurance so if i die tomorrow you know my dude is set and all that stuff but i'm trying to enjoy life man and so uh you know it's been a it's been a, uh, it's, it's been a uh, very difficult year and i had some of those difficult anniversaries coming up like my favorite hey bro, aunt
0: charge me up uh, there it is get charged that. up by your lady <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> my uh you know my favorite aunt uh you know died uh this time a year ago so i've had a few of those things pop up and i was like you know what man i'm going to get some relief yeah and i remember we were doing the show and somebody in denton sent us a uh that's right i remember that doing a rage and so it's always been in my mind but i've never been well this this last this past week i had to go do some business out of town and so once i was there i was like hey let me uh let me see if there's a rage room in town there was and so i went and i gotta tell you man first off it was out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> i was it, was it was the kind of place where dexter would 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 take somebody so that he could cut him up before he took him to the to the uh in, to the water and threw him over the boat um so it's a like a warehouse district out in the middle of nowhere interesting and you sign a waiver obviously it says you won't blame them if you get hurt for anything and then you can pay they got your standard time and you can pay for more time or if you want bigger stuff or whatever or you can bring stuff if you want to you know like you got a computer monitor that doesn't work anymore and you're mad at it uh or maybe it's your exes (laughs) you bring it you bash it up so anyway i signed up i paid for it and they led me up two flights of stairs to this room and they give you the rules, and they say, here in the corner, your tools of destruction. Now, what do you think they had over there, Matt?
0: Let me I, see. There were, uh, there were six tools of destruction. Wow, six? Because a baseball bat, for sure. Definitely a baseball bat. Maybe a sledgehammer? Two of those. Two of those sledgehammers. Okay. A shovel? No, but that's a quality mm-hmm. guess. You got, you got two more strikes. That's Man, one strike. Man, okay, because, uh, yeah, I, I don't, like, I want to say, like, an axe, but I don't know why the hell they'd let you have an axe. No, nah, no axe. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems like so, it might be a little much. So you got one strike left. God, I don't even know what it would be. I, 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 a hammer? Like just a normal hammer? Like not a big uh, sledgehammer? Like a smaller like hammer? No, nah, but those those are all quality guesses. Okay. No, nah, they had a bowling pin. A bowling pin?
1: Oh, Weird. yeah, dude. Huh. Yeah, but, you know, you, you can smash with that thing. Now, imagine somebody grabbing a bowling pin and hitting you upside the head. Yeah, that would dude. suck. Yeah, There's no doubt, the damage. yeah. Mm-hmm um and they had a wrench dude but it was a wrench that was like
0: five or six feet long like a fire guys like the types of huge wrenches they, they use on fire hydrants and stuff oh is that what they use those for could be i mean that's like a big ass construction wrench
1: yeah that, that's what it was so those were the tools of destruction i think uh, those were all of them uh because it might have been two bats okay but yeah. whatever those are the tools of destruction then in the other corner They go, here are your crates of stuff to smash. And then they've got a table. And on top of the table was a computer monitor and a printer. And so uh, they said, okay, so they go, oh, do you want to listen to music? I go, you know, as a matter of fact, I do. And I couldn't figure out what would be weirder. Would it be normal to listen to some gangster rap, some drill music, get me fired up, ready to fight? Or should I put on some soft and love music and be like, I'm going to Bang all this stuff to love music or or symf- symphony stuff. Uh so ultimately I chose drill music. So I'm listening to some to some gangster rap. Okay. And I'm and uh and man, I'm just pouring the stuff on the table with crates and I'm just powering through it. I took the sledgehammer and I envisioned somebody's head there, man, and I just went to town on it. Because I've had a couple assholes messing with me lately uh nothing serious but you know people just aggravate you yeah and i just went i just went to town on it man and it was it was marvelously relaxing and uh it was actually a pretty good workout uh because they have a time limit of uh 25 minutes and you would think that's not very long but if you're just smashing stuff and and wielding a sledgehammer or a bat and just swinging it 20 minutes is a long time it is yes and so uh no man so it's a good time they, matter of fact, they said it had been so popular that they had kind of run out of small items like printers and all that kind of stuff. So they had a bunch of glass. But you know, when you're smashing this stuff, man, it's it's going where? It's all over the floor, and you know, you got to wear tennis shoes because you're stepping on glass and stuff. And if you don't have on good shoes, you can cut through, cut your foot because it goes right through your. You know, if you had on some Crocs or something mm-hmm. like that. But it was a good time, man. And I enjoyed myself, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I made my way to some rage room in Dallas.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, so, the, like, what do they put? Do they put you, like, in a protective suit? or I mean, you Oh, to- my bad,
1: my bad, my bad.
0: So when they took you upstairs, first thing they do is they walk you to a room,
1: and they go, safety goggles. Uh, you have to put them on. You can't take them off. They give you, like, a construction helmet with a visor on it. You can't take that off. They give you gloves, and you can't take those off. And then they tell you it's your choice whether you want to put on like a like if somebody's painting your car like a jumpsuit kind of thing. Yeah. Or some whatever overalls, they're not overalls, but something. I get like what that. you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know neglected to do that. Let me tell y'all, get that thing and put it on, because you're smashing so much stuff that. You're getting glass and all that stuff like the front of my shirt was covered with shards of glass
0: guys <laughs> crazy like, well,
1: it's probably like the size of a quarter maybe a 50 cent piece but yeah. it was right there in the middle like a center mass and it was just there bro and i was like and i'm, I'm not even gonna lie man i got cut a couple of times very small cut on uh on my arms from just shards of glass breaking as i was you know destroying that thing
0: yeah, I wondered about that because it's like, man, even with cover, uh, you know, unless you cover your whole face up and everything, it seems like at some point something could fly up and cut you. Yeah. So
1: no, nah, all that glass meant, especially it was on my arms. Yeah. Because uh, you know, you're bringing that that instrument down with such force that it's like blood splatter when you sh- when you break those bottles and stuff. The glass just splatters everywhere. And if your arm is nearby impact, which it will be on impact, then you might get a, a little bit. And so I got a little bit. I mean, it was, you know, it's not like it hurt. It stung a little bit when I got in the shower. I was like,
0: oh, I guess I did get st- cut right there. That's weird. But uh, outside of that, man, it's a good time. Yeah, it sounds like I've always thought that'd be fun to do. Like, I mean, do you just walk out of there and your shoes are just covered in broken bits of glass and all kinds of crap? Um, the
1: soles, yeah, just yeah. a little bit. It's more like that fine dust glass. Uh, but, uh, you know, outside of, um, like I said, literally outside of that little patch in the middle of my shirt,
0: there was nothing else. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that's, huh. Interesting. I, I Those, like you said, like the, or they told you, I guess, that it's gotten a lot more popular. I know that there's one for sure in Birmingham, a rage room where you could do stuff like that. And I've always just thought, man, that seems like it would be pretty badass to just walk into some place where you can just break shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a good time, man. Okay. I, I highly recommend it. So the other thing that you threw out, and this is something that I don't know how I would respond to this. I feel like I'd be freaked out beyond reality. Bro. You got yeah. trapped in an elevator.
1: All right, so check this out. I've been trapped in an elevator before. <clears throat> it's a funny story. It was. It, it's funny because it happened. I, was a, uh, I think I was a senior in high school. And it was the busiest, I was working at the uh, what was then Lowe's Anatole as a bellman. Uh, Mary Kay has a convention in Dallas every summer. This was one of the convention summers, so the hotel was packed. And when the Mary Kay women leave, you know, a lot of them back then, so you got to think this was the 80s. Even then, a lot of them, it was their second job or they were housewives and it was their primary job. But they weren't really experienced at tipping, so they didn't tip very well but you 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 made a lot of money because even though they didn't tip well, there might be four or five or six women to a room and they would each give you $2. So it's not like they gave you five or six or seven, but if you got four times two or five times two or six times two, you're still smiling because at the end of the day, I got this $12. Yeah. I got stuck in the elevator that morning for like 30 or 40 minutes right when they were checking out and i missed all the money man i've never been so mad in my life Uh, so anyway but that was just me like i pressed the button the doors wouldn't open so i'm stuck yeah this was a lot more different so like i said i had to go out of town work on a project that i'll tell you guys about later i've already told Matt about it but um so i'm out of town and i'm checking in and this is one of those hotels where you walk in on the first floor check-in is on the second floor and so I go to check in there's three people on the elevator I push the button uh, to go to my floor which is two now mind you we're going up right yeah so the elevator moves up and then there's a very violent lurch and it drops and I'm like shit what is this And then it just stops and i'm like in my head i'm like do not tell me we're between floors oh my god and so there's a so this dude who's on there pushes the button and it takes i mean you can't you know you're pushing the button like to call somebody and say hey we're in here and it's not really connecting and so we wait a couple minutes he pushes it again And that's not really working well. So you're like, well, just use your cell phone. Nope. Can't get service in the elevator. And so, but then I had the bright idea. I go, you know what? If I turn my phone off, right when you turn it off, it gives you an option to call 911, no matter whether you got service or not. So I did that. I called 911 for the first time in my life.
0: Really? You've never
1: called 911 before? I've been fortunate i ain't never had no i ain't never okay. had no reason to call wow, that's, a, that's
0: amazing no for real
1: like I've never been in a car accident that required it I've never been robbed or had somebody break into my house or I've been very fortunate you know I've also never had any broken bones God, that's amazing uh, I've been living a blessed and highly favored covered life <laughs> so I called nine one one and uh and uh, they get on the phone and i go and right as they're talking i say oh the people from the hotel have popped on the intercom so i can probably go and the guy goes oh no 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 because they transferred me to the fire department he goes oh no 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 we're the people who are going to have to get you out the out of the uh elevator anyway so just stay on the line and tell me where you are so i tell them where where i am and i go um oh which he goes which elevator and i didn't know it i just looked up and they had it written on the door which elevator was i say? oh it's h4 he goes okay he goes "Uh, i've already dispatched him stay on the line for another couple minutes Uh, let me get other pieces of information from you blah 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 and then man literally about two or three minutes later i hear some talking outside and if i squat down i go i'm looking and i go yep we are definitely between floors weird man um we're between the first floor and the second floor uh, about halfway so you can look out and you can see that you're that you're looking yeah. down on top of people's heads. So that's how you know you're between the first and the second floor. So uh after a few more minutes, because we were stuck in there, man, probably for about fifteen minutes before the fire department got there. From the start time we walked on the elevator until the fire department came, it's probably about fifteen minutes.
0: That's not bad at all.
1: No, because again, I was kind of downtown, so I don't, there was probably one nearby. Yeah. But I hear them talking, they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we attack this? How do we get through do do? And so finally, after about another 10 minutes of hearing them out there, so now we're at about 25, 30 minutes, um, they open up the door and I go, hey, everybody, everybody, is everybody cool? Because there's three people on there. I go, yeah, I'm cool. Everybody says, yeah, they're cool. And then he goes, okay, um, we can't move it anymore. So uh, you guys, we're going to help you, but you guys are going to have to jump down. Oh, my God. Well, see, we're talking like literally five or six feet it's not very far but the fact that you're on an elevator and it's lurched and it's dropped you know could have some people like this one guy he was like i mean he was clearly distressed (laughs) because he started talking fast and all this other stuff and this woman she was there but she was just really quiet which to me i took that as okay she's scared yeah probably so And so i was trying to take charge uh you know just just so um you know to provide a calm presence because i for whatever reason i wasn't really nervous uh so i told her hey why don't you get out first and the other guy again he's nervous and he's like i have ptsd i said to myself okay self well he's trying to work his way through this shit. let me uh let me hop out right now before <laughs> this thing drops again <laughs> um so i hopped out now i literally jumped down that's why i said it was five or six feet but it wasn't to me a big deal um you know so then it's about we're wearing you know it's like i don't know if i want to stay here with the elevators all jacked up this could be an omen that i need to leave yeah no doubt man uh but there was some event going on downtown so all the rest of the hotels were sold out just about but i told the manager, was like hey dude um y'all gonna have to fix this (laughs) you're gonna have to find me a spot um And so ultimately he found me a spot and everything turned out good. But yeah, bro, that's the first time I've been trapped in an elevator that dropped. And I was very thankful I was uh, on the first floor going to the second and not on like the 21st floor or some some foolishness like that.
0: Where you just poop in your pants and you're like, well, so much for this. Yeah.
1: Let me take a selfie right quick and leave somebody with leave somebody something when they find me
0: yeah because i mean man like in my fear would be when you're stuck between fours like come on and jump down i'm like okay i'm the guy who's gonna like jump out and it's gonna drop and it's gonna slice me in half
1: (laughs) well i tried not to have those negative thoughts no but But i'm just like
0: i'd be like i don't know man i think i'm just gonna stay in here are we good like how do i get out of here that's how this other guy was acting and that's why i was like you know what Doug? i'm not gonna sit here while they talk you down i'm just gonna bounce I mean, like, how, what, big. How, how big was the gap between, like, when they opened the doors and you had to jump out? Like, was it, like, were you down, like, crawling and you had to jump out? No. It was,
1: I sat on my butt and just kind of popped off. Uh, what okay. it reminded me of, and we just talked about this the other day, it's like when I went to Go Ape out in uh, Plano. You know, it's got those those uh, wooden ladders and yeah. stuff that's 20 feet up in the air. Well, you know, I don't like heights. Uh, I did it to challenge myself but I mean I did it because my granddaughter wanted to go and then I was like I ain't really down for this at all but I'm in the best physical shape I've ever been in so let me see if I can conquer some fears while I'm out here but part of that conquering was there's a couple times I was scared to death because I don't like heights and I was just like fuck it let's go because one of the things is you had to uh jump off about a I mean, you know, you're connected so it's like a zip line, but you gotta jump off and you're about uh thirty or forty feet up in the air. And right you know this happened, man, right before I me, mean, this lady sat down because you can stand and do it or you can kind of sit on your butt and launch yourself off. And she sat down there and she sat too long, man, and she started thinking about it. And then it became can we convince her to go? And dude, they talked to her for about 10, 15 minutes before she said, I can't do it. I I can't. She started crying and all that stuff. And my only point to that is when it was finally my turn to go a couple people later, I literally sat down. I was gone because I was like, if I sit here and think about it, I'm going to be just like her. Yeah, man. So when it came to the elevator, I was just like, as soon as they opened up the doors, I took a look at. It, I was like, all right, this is a piece of cake. As soon as they open and say go,
0: I'm gone. I'm not
1: gonna sit there and think about
0: it. <laughs> You're like, well, see you later. Thanks, yeah, guys. Basically, I did that. Nice to meet y'all. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never been on an elevator that had any type of problem. I've never been on an elevator that's been stuck. I don't. I mean, that would just that would freak me out. And what's really weird about this is that one of the guys that I work with at the station. You're the second person that's told me this because we were on the elevator the other day and the doors were closing really slow. And he goes, oh, great. I hope we don't get stuck. I was like, why would you say that? He's like, oh, I got stuck on an elevator not that long ago for like 45 minutes. I was like, what the hell? What do you, yeah, what? I
1: was
0: like, I don't even know what I would do. I would go insane. 45 minutes and you're just in a box? Psh. I don't know what I would do. I honestly don't. So the other thing that we had, so you, you were like, oh, yeah, I went to a rage room. Oh, I got, I got stuck on an elevator. And then you tell me a story about your son, and, and I could tell you're getting a little emotional. You're like, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm just crying at everything now. <laughs> and I've noticed that. Like, you've just started, like, you in, I don't know what it is. You've become emotional. Dude, it's like I'm going through menopause or something. It's man. something, man. You got a hormonal thing happening to you. <laughs> it's like I cried
1: the drop of a hat. And I think what it is, is uh, if we have a moment of real talk, is that, uh, you know, my son is graduating and he's going into that real adulthood thing now. And, you know, the good times, I don't want to say like this, but the good old days are done with, man. You know, like, like he's got his own life. He's out here trying to lead and do this stuff. And, you know, he'd been my boy. (laughs) Like, I think I told you this, but maybe I didn't. He sent me a text, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. They said, hey, can you send me some pictures of us? Because for some reason, I don't have any. Well, dude, in a matter of about 10 minutes, I sent him like 100 pictures. Yeah. (laughs) And I go, I know this is overkill, but that's because, you know, I was at all his football game stuff. And when he was a kid, we used to take selfies all the time whenever we went somewhere. So I was just compiling those real quickly, sending them to him um but i don't know what it is man uh, i mean i've got some theories my biggest overriding theory is I, I get emotional because uh he's such a good dude every every teenager is not a good dude some of them are learning themselves and figuring out who they are and they create a bunch of chaos in your you know, house and why they do that my sister was like that uh when she was living with my dad her last two years. i mean the reason she was living with my dad is my mom was like Yo, I can't do this no more. See if you have better luck than me. And so you're not always guaranteed to have a kid in high school who's just, for the most part, just a joy to be around. Like, I probably can't tell you the last time I yelled at him. Now, he could probably tell you. Yeah,
0: I'm sure he could. But I
1: probably, I can't remember it. So the fact that I literally can't remember, I'm sitting here trying to think now. (laughs) You know, it's probably been a couple years. Uh, which for a teenage dude that's i mean that's that's rare but also because my mother died so young i mean she was 52 i was 30 so she never got to meet him yeah or any of my grandkids and so i have a lot of emotions about uh you know i wish my mother had met him you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that's probably where it all stems from and you know when you're really proud of somebody for what they're doing, I think all of that together in my old-ass age uh, has made me just, I just cry to drop of a hat these days, bro. But I don't think about it. You know, it comes, it goes, and, and I'm, I'm over and done with it.
0: I mean, is it just with him, or is it one of those things where this is happening, like, for a variety of different things other than stuff with him?
1: You know what? I think it's just, uh, I think most of it's centered around him uh you know because he's been such a big part of my life uh and while i've got i don't believe in stepkids and stuff but i've got a daughter who's my stepdaughter but yeah. i'd never refer to i would never refer to her as that and i've got you know two grandkids one of whom i treat like my kid because my daughter had her when she was 17. um but and so maybe when she's graduating in two years it'll be another wave of the same type of thing. Yeah. But I doubt it. (laughs) Because. (laughs) Yeah. And that's because even though we cool, we have a different kind of relationship and she's a much different person. She's much more of a loner. Uh, Like she might be in a room in a house and you might not see her for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she ain't coming out. She's just in her room. And if you don't ask for her, you will not see her. Uh, Stuff like that. So, you know, it's probably won't have the same types of emotions. But uh, he's been doing a lot, you know, with college stuff, getting enrolled and getting housing. And I've been letting him do it all by himself. And so I was telling Matt this earlier. I said, so I sent him a long text today. I I don't know. Some just maybe do it. I was like, hey, you know, I'm having you do this by yourself. I could do it for you. But you learn so much more when you learn how to deal with bureaucracy and make follow-up calls. You just learn more when you do it yourself. And so, you know, I didn't I didn't want him to think I was just like, oh, okay, you're out the house now, go figure this shit out by yourself.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And then
1: it, and then as I'm writing this letter, I'm like, you know, I'm really proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Then I had to send him a picture of me saying, Here dad is tearing up again. <laughs> <laughs> It's with been half like a non-stop. mustache, I know, man. Wow. Yeah, so he sent me back a bunch of laughing emojis, uh, you know, and that's what it is. And uh, yes, I do have half a mustache. I think I told you this man, You know, I got like alopecia or something. On yeah,
0: my yeah. You sent me that picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's still half, dude. And I went to the doctor and they did some autoimmune stuff and they go, no, all your markers are good and everything's good, so. You know, if you want, if it's really bothering you, you can. We'll send you to a dermatologist or whatever. And I was like, eh, if you got time, do it. If not, it's not a big deal.
0: I mean, it's a trip, man. It definitely is noticeable, but like you say, it's not a big deal. It's <clears> just <throat> one of those things that it is, pretty much.
1: Here, I'll send you the picture I sent him.
0: You just tearing up, <laughs> menopausal <laughs> mustache, Jacques, though. apparently. Do you like go see- to the freezer in the middle of the night and put your head in the freezer, dude? Sometimes I feel like you're it. like, oh, I've gotten hot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the wildest thing. I told my dude the other day, man, we were talking.
0: There he is. Uh, no shirt on. I got a topless, <laughs> a topless pick of Jacques.
1: I'm not showing any nipple, though. So it's a, so I know, it's, it's, it's too bad because I could sell it if you were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told you to look at the mustache and the teary eyes.
0: <laughs> I did. I did look at it. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, awesome. <laughs>
1: uh you know and I was telling him man uh something the other day about that mess and I was just like dude oh let me tell you the last funny thing that happened Matt so I was I was at the I was hanging out with a friend of mine we were at the grocery store and she had never been to um HEB and so I was like yo I'm going to take you to H-E-B just to walk around because it's a wild grocery store. Uh, and we're in there, and I said, now, nah, Matt knows this. I often refer to myself as what? A former fat guy, yeah. right? I do it all the time. And I go, I'm looking for the aisle that fat that fat guys love. And to me, it's that aisle where you can uh, you get your own bag, and you can fill it up with chocolate-covered almonds or as many as you want, all that stuff. You know which aisle I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, see. So we're on this aisle, and I'm going, Yeah, this is a fat guy aisle. Now I'm having this conversation, and I've been talking about, I got to show you this fat guy aisle. It is great. I'm referring to myself the entire time because that's how I referred to myself as a former fat guy. I said, Oh, I used to love this aisle. I said, I try to stay away from it because, you know, it's a former fat guy. Whew, this, is like, this is like being exposed to crack if you're a crackhead. As I'm telling her this, this dude whirls around and says, "God bless you." And I go, "Thank, Thank you." Him. And then he walks off and he taps this this overweight guy. I mean, this guy's probably 350. yeah, taps him on the shoulder and just kind of lingers there, and then he walks on, and I go, "Did he think I was talking about this dude down here, and so he turned around to say something to me?" And she goes, "Yeah." <laughs> I, go, I go what a fucking douche weird <laughs> first off i'm not talking to you bro second off you're so clueless that you don't even realize i'm referring to myself Yep. thirdly why would you inter- interject a third person into a conversation that you don't even know what's going on like who does that people man i was like what an idiot
0: yeah, the way of the world nowadays, you got to pay attention to other people that you don't even know what they're about or who they are. And it, it's <laughs> I mean, it's special. We live in a special time in a special world. Dude, well, that's enough about me. What's going on with you, bro? <laughs> As we go down the Jacques rabbit hole on this podcast. But I mean, I mean, again, rage room stuck on an elevator crying at everything. I mean, that, that's a lot of events happening within a small time frame. <laughs>
1: Oh, it was a wild week, man. It was a wild
0: week. I was going to throw this out the other day, and, and I had brought it up to you, and you had mentioned that you had read a couple of books recently as well, but I just earlier this week finished my 29th book this year. Wow. Yeah, and it's weird because last year, I think I did 34 books, and I didn't set a goal this year. I just read every single day. My goal is to read at least a chapter every single day, and I think I've read for like 308 consecutive days now. So I've almost wow. approached my goal of hitting a year straight. September 11th, it'll be a year straight, oddly enough. But it's interesting because I've read... I'm I'm on my 30th book right now. I read... God, how many of it? So eight of them were the Dexter books. 11 of them were the Gray Man books. So that's 19. Five of them were the Terminalist books, which gets me to 24. And then the other ones... So that's a lot of of fiction. The other ones that I read just this year, I'm trying to think what they were. One was called, oh, the Tiger and Phil book. I read that, which was interesting. Okay. The Bob Odenkirk, like, memoir, autobiography that he wrote. The Great the Nowitzki, was which was by Tomek Pletzinger, who was a for, another German who came over here and followed Dirk around, like, basically his whole career. It's called The Great Nowitzki: Basketball and the Meaning of Life, and that was a really interesting read. What was interesting about it? It just was, I mean, just seeing it from the perspective of somebody who was also German and grew up kind of like in the same area and doing the same things that Dirk did and then coming over here and being able to follow him kind of throughout his entire career and the friendship that he and Dirk were able to share together. And there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff with Dirk. Like he would get to go hang out with Dirk at his house and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So seeing the perspective of somebody, one that was German, very, very, very similar background. Got to spend time around him in Germany and got to like see his workouts, got to see, spend time around his family in Dallas, but also got to see and kind of appreciate him as a fan and be around all the fans that he is around in Dallas was kind of cool. I mean, it's a good read. I read another one called You Are Here Discovering the Magic of the Present Moment. Right, right. And that was in, that was all right. And then the one I'm on now is, I don't know why I thought this was interesting, but Marcus Aurelius, the former Roman empire from like right after the turn of the millennium or two millenniums ago, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It is that guy. And it's, he was the emperor of Rome back like, I like a hundred AD, like right around the time after Christ, essentially. Well, he wrote what we have translated into what is modernly known as the meditations. And it's basically like just all his thoughts as he got older in life on life and all these different things. And so somebody has retranslated them for the modern times. And like the first probably 25, 30% of the book is this author explaining the backstory of Marcus Aurelius and where he came from and th- and his philosophy and his teachers and how he was as an emperor and all that. And then it gets into the actual meditations. And some of it, it's it's interesting because some of it's very rambling and some of it's like a little bit more enlightening. Some of it is like completely pointless to me, but it's it's really... I don't know, I think it's fascinating to read the words and the thoughts of somebody who ruled Rome back when they were the most powerful entity on the earth, 2220 or 2022 years ago basically.
1: Now, how did they So what? They read his diaries or something? They yeah, it
0: was it got passed down and like the author even points out that the originals were destroyed many many years like in like the 13th century or something. And that nobody right. thought anything of these for like a thousand years. And it wasn't until the ninth or 10th century when somebody came across them because the Romans were really, I mean, part of the reason we know so much about those times back then is because they kept records of everything. You know, they were right. encouraged to write, they were encouraged to philosophize and, and, and do all these different things. So they got passed down and translated multiple times. And like, basically there's a, a very, close replica of it that somebody painstakingly went through in the 14th century as the originals were getting like so old they just kind of fell apart I guess and so basically all the stuff that has come out in the last 700 years on this is all off this one dude's translations from the 14th century so, like, the author points out, like, did he translate it correctly? Did he misinterpret certain things? But what we're left is, you know, the basis of what Marcus Aurelius was writing. In some words and some thoughts, just we don't have a translation for that in, in our Ameri- in English language. Because he was writing it all in Latin and Greece. Fascinating. Yeah, so it's been kind of interesting. I'm about halfway through that one. I mean, it's not my normal thing, but I saw that and I was like, oh, meditations from Marcus Aurelius? I wonder what he was meditating on 2,000 years ago.
1: You know? Well, I think I told you I read uh, Howard Bryant's book on uh, Ricky Henderson, uh, which was an outstanding book. Uh, I mean, it was very interesting uh, to hear the Ricky stories and then just hear how Ricky became Ricky. uh, Because, I mean, it's shocking how great a player he was, how many people doubted him on his way to the big leagues. Uh, But he did a good job of explaining why Ricky was Ricky. So I read that. And then I do this from time to time, man. Um, I just go look at a book just because somebody I respect said, hey, check this out. And so, you know, I've been uh, I've got a couple projects coming up. And so I've really been trying to hone in on them and and get my mind right uh, so that I can be, as Jason Garrett would say, the best version of myself. And Seth Wickersham, who's turned into a really, really uh, outstanding writer for ESPN, does a lot of project work wrote that book on uh, I think like basically the NFL owners uh, recently which was a New York Times bestseller he put out a tweet last week that said it's time for me to read this again and it's a book called Working by Robert Caro. now I've never heard of Robert Cairo but just off of that tweet and the fact that I had three credits on Audible I was like hey let me go get it dude what a book and what it is is Robert Cairo is his reporter who won a Pulitzer Prize. And basically his whole thing is it took him like seven years to write this book on Lyndon Johnson.
0: Interesting.
1: And then it took him like another three or four or five years to write his second book on Johnson. And basically his thing is it takes him forever to write these books. And he writes like 1,300 word books. Yeah. 13 no. What did he tell me? It was 1,300 pages. Yeah, I was going to say, 1,300 words seems very, very small. <laughs> no, it was 1,300 pages. And he's like bemoaning the fact that he cut out three, he had to cut out 350,000 words. Yeah. And so he's, he's, so the book is about his process. Like, this is a super duper nerdy journalism book, but it's about his process. Like, I don't care about Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. But how he reported on him was fascinating. Like, he went, Basically, he went and got, you know, asked, wherever you can go and you get access to the presidential papers. And the woman there, he looks and they take him to this room and say, Okay, here are all the presidential papers. He goes, Oh my God, because they're all in boxes and stuff. And he goes, Well, how many boxes are there? And the woman goes, Well, we don't know for sure how many pages there are, but it's these. B-. And she calculates it and she goes, uh, Basically, she goes, Oh, it's like two and a half million pages. Good Lord. Well, there's no way you can go through all of that. Yeah. So, what you do is, you know, like all the people around him who are important to him, well, they don't have two and a half million pages. You know, Matt McLaren was important to him because of this. Well, he's got 600,000. Okay, I can get through 600,000 pages. But what happens is he goes, the reason why he wanted to pull a surprise, he he uncovered all this stuff about Lyndon Johnson. How did he do it? Cause he literally went through these other people's, you know, pages like if you, if you're secretary of state, when your job is over, they put all your emails, well all the memos and all the stuff that you sent in boxes and they put them up in the library of Congress or somewhere. Yeah. Well, he went through those boxes oh, and somebody had told him that, Oh, here's the, the essence of the book is this. Did you know Lyndon Johnson was never elected to anything? Yes. I did know that actually. Yes which is shocking, like literally like he was appointed or he was put, he was never elected to anything. And so he was trying to figure out how did he obtain all this power having never been elected? And there was some gap and he got it, he figured it out through memos because at the first point of Johnson's career, nobody ever asked to see him. And then like over a three month period, suddenly everybody was sending memos like I need to meet with Lyndon Johnson and he was trying to figure out what happened. And somebody told him, he said, oh, well, he became a power broker because all these oil people gave him money and he had more money, access to money, and he was funding other people's campaigns with his money. But you couldn't find it because they never, he never wrote it down anywhere. He just made phone calls. So he's going through this, all these boxes of his aides and all this other stuff. And in one box, because he was literally going piece by piece he found an old yellow stained telegraph, telegram from one of the guys who was a Texas oil. Oh, you know who it was, dude? It was a guy, Clint Murchison, first yeah. cowboy, first owner of the Cowboys, that said, the requests that you have made have been done. I've contacted the people you asked me to contact. You should have the check soon. And from that one telegram, which was in the midst of a box of, you know, two or 300,000 pieces of paper, he said well okay so now i know it's a fact that clint murchison sent him money i just got to figure out how he got the money sent yeah so then he started looking at texas oil men's boxes or whatever and he's and systematically because he had something to look for now he went through those boxes piece by piece and he found like one memo in each of those boxes now at the end now you got seven or eight memos that all say lyndon johnson's getting checks and getting money And that was the basis of his books, but it was all the research part, man. And you know, I'm a journalism nerd at heart. And so I can listen to how people report stories and how people, their process for writing and all that. So at at one level, it was kind of boring, but at another level, if you're really a nerd about the process and how to be the best journalist you could be, it was a fascinating read. And so I finished that the other day and now you know what I'm reading, man? Mm. Friday Night Lights.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've read that before. It's a good read, man. Yeah,
1: I read it a long time ago, like when I was in college, shortly after it came out. But again, because I'm working on some different projects, I'm really trying to get a feel for how you write certain things and how you capture certain things. And the way my body, my mind works is if I read things, types of things, certain things enough, I get like an osmosis feel to it. And so I don't really have to think about it. I just can do it. But I have to read enough of it so that it kind of gets into my system.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I, I totally understand that. A lot of good books out there. I don't know where I'll go after this. I mean, I, once I blew through the terminal list, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I'll just scroll through and see if I see anything that pops out and jumps out to me. And there's a couple things that were on the charts that I was like, oh, that might be cool. So we'll see where it goes from here. But always fun. And then finally, the other thing to mention to all of you guys, the Rangers have two all-stars. We told you about Martín Pérez the other day. Well, how about this, Jacques? Is it champ? No. Oh,
1: okay. I thought you were going to say like the mascot and got
0: invited no, to the game. No, no. It's at first I was like champ, champ. Is there? And I was going through the roster. I was like, oh my god, do you mean the horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the Rangers because George Springer decided not to play in the All Star game, so he's an outfielder with Toronto now. So he left an opening spot on the team and cory seager has been selected by major league baseball to join the all-star team he will be the rangers second all-star the reason why they chose Corey seager apparently is springer was a player's ballot choice but all of the american league outfielders who were at the top of player picks were already all all-stars so then it, it defaults to where Major League Baseball gets to select. And other than Jose Abreu, Seager has the highest war among position players not already on the All-Star team. Oh, okay. So they decided to reward Corey Seager with the trip. Oddly enough, back to Los Angeles. He came from the Dodgers. The All-Star game's in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. So Corey Seager and Martin Perez will be traveling to L.A. next week for the All-Star game. So it's cool. The Rangers got two All-Stars. How about that? Yeah, it's always good. Maybe I'll watch it now. Probably not. <laughs> nope, me either. Yeah, I don't I I don't know, man. I used to love the All-Star game when I was a kid, but nowadays I, you know, I might tune in to see them all run out of the dugout because I like seeing all the different uniforms and the hats and stuff next to each other. But as far as the game, I whatever. Right, right. I don't care. And that will wrap up the podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed this version. We will be back actually. You're traveling next week. I'm traveling next week. I'll be in Atlanta all next week, but we should still be able to bring you a couple of podcasts for sure next week. I'm going to take my equipment with me to the hotel for SEC Media Days in Atlanta. And who knows, maybe I'll get a chance to talk to Nick Saban and I'll tell him, I'm like, look, I'm very good friends with one of Dion's very good friends. And here's what he's telling me. Coach, (laughs) I need to know the truth from you. Address the situation right now. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. We'll see what happens, but we'll be back. We'll have another new episode for you on Monday. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.